You're listening to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where we explore the magical and mystical and where they intersect with the wide world of mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a pagan creative arts therapist. And I'm Callie Little, a pagan emotional support witch and artist. We invite you to listen, connect, and deepen your relationship's magic. And to yourself. We're the coven in your pocket. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to our, uh, this is our first actual like, episode of season two. Yeah. The episode we released last week was a, hey, welcome to season two. Yeah. And that was really fun. I listened to it a few times. Yeah. I am so glad that you advocated that I put the clip of us (laughs) (laughs) trying to line up our voices, which is actually impossible. I'm convinced because our cadence is really different. Which is perplexing to me because people also tell us that we sound exactly the same. Well, we do sound a lot alike. Sometimes when I'm listening for half a second, I'll be like, is that me or Amber? But then as soon as like a word finishes, I know who it is. Um, So I don't blame anybody for being confused by this. But (laughs) I think it's just impossible over the internet. It's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's really difficult. (laughs) You know, and also... I wanted to just speak to uh, the fact that we changed how we identify ourselves on the podcast. And I thought, you know, maybe that might be worth mentioning. I decided to identify myself as a pagan rather than a witch, not because I'm not a witch, but for many reasons. One being that I want to engage people more on the topic of paganism Mm. and Mm -hmm. Folks are calling themselves witches a lot right now, which I love, and we all have this shared lingo, but not everyone is using pagan. So I notice when I say pagan, it's a way to engage people uh, around a different aspect of witchcraft, around earth-based worship and deity worship. And that's also speaking more and defining more my belief system, whereas witchcraft is more a practice. So I I wanted to be aligned and identified with my belief system. And I chose to identify myself as a creative arts therapist rather than a licensed psychotherapist because I wanted the emphasis to be on how I do therapy, not on my licensure, Uh, which is, you know, I think it's fine. I, upon reflection, feel that I probably needed to identify myself that way because I just wanted to prove that I was legit or something. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what I would, you know, and that's okay. You know, that I, I wanted everyone to know, like, yeah, I, I, I can say things, you know. <laughs> um, I, I have things to say and you should listen. I'm licensed, you know. And my licensure matters less and less to me over time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I am much more interested in the creative arts aspect because that's what I am. I'm not a traditional psychotherapist. I'm a creative arts therapist and we do things really differently. And similarly, I don't want to talk to people about my state licensure. It's boring. I want to talk about creative arts therapy. So maybe if I identify myself that way, that opens the door for discussion. I love that. And you're just bringing the pagan current, you know? People exactly, yeah, yeah. They get to vibe with this other part of you, and um, yeah, I think that all of the ways that our intro was for Wheel One still apply. Um, mm-hmm. It's all still true. Yeah, it's just we're emphasizing a little differently because you know we're growing and changing people, we're evolving, and we wanted 
to, I don't know if broaden the net is exactly what I want to say. Um, maybe, and, and it's not quite refined because it's kind of both. It's like making a more accurate net. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I love the new intro. I think it's really cute. Absolutely. I mean, what about you? Why uh, did you choose the different containers that you did to describe yourself? Um, I mean, you know, I had that thought of like, okay, Amber's saying like she's a pagan creative arts therapist. Maybe I shouldn't also say I'm pagan, even though I am. And then I was like, wait, no. I want, first of all, I am. So there's that. Yeah. Secondly, if you're going to have your, you know, spiritual identity in there. It makes sense that I would as well. I just always have this like second guessing of like, oh, I'm just trying to be like somebody else. Um, and that's just my internalized um, bullying. So just working with that all the time. Just a little inner criticism as a treat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and... Emotional Support Witch is a title that I I really love. Um, I actually first heard that term <laughs> through the mouth of Lily Tomlin on Grace and Frankie, uh, the Netflix series about the two octogenarian women <laughs> uh, in the show, Lily Tomlin at one point is referred to actually by Jane Fonda as her emotional support witch. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I do. <laughs> I like, yes, peer counselor. Yes, I'm a sex educator um, and a relationship coach and all of the other shit. But like, I also do witchcraft professionally. I also do tarot readings professionally. There's so many things. And um, it just felt like the right name. So I don't know. It's kind of a goofy thing, but there, I just don't identify with like any words. Kind of feel like the job title is the same way I feel about pronouns. Like she and her, okay. They, them, okay. Job, human, okay. I, I'm, I am but a bag of the cosmos in rotting flesh. I identify as an unidentifiable void. I am. Yes. <laughs> I am liminal. My preferred identity is liminal. Do you understand what that means? No? Okay. Think of darkness. It means I'm constantly dissociated. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh because it's true. Uh, but <laughs> this preamble is absolutely necessary to talk about Grimoires. really. Grim, grim, grimoires. I, I'm going to admit right now, I can't say grimoire very well. So it's like grimmers. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah. Thank you. I, I've always liked the word grimoire over book of shadows because it's very hot topic. That ex- book of shadows. Exactly. Like, and listen, listen. I went to high school in 1996, okay? Like, I remember when, yes, charmed the whole fucking thing, Marilyn Manson. Like, I remember Hot Topic being way cooler than it is now, but go on. Uh This is not an episode about Hot Topic, but Book of Shadows is very, like... (laughs) 
Yeah, Book of Shadows, like, and I, I'm not yucking anybody's yum if you're like, I love the phrase Book of Shadows. These are my shadows and this is a book of them. Go for it. That's all you. I'm just saying I have shame, okay? This is not about me shaming you. It's my shame. Shame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ring that bell. Follow me naked through the town square. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, that won't make any sense. <laughs> so... I, at the beginning of the quarantine, um, you know, I was in some YouTube holes. I was looking for stuff to make. I was in a really prolific making period, which actually, I shouldn't even say past tense. I'm always in a prolific making period. Um, You are. It's true. Queen of Pentacles, baby. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at all these videos and there's this... um, there's this channel on YouTube called Nerd Forge, and they are these two Scandinavian makers who, I mean, they just make incredible shit. They make so many things. They're like book inserts to put on your shelf that look like little like Harry Potter alleys. They're all light up and just incredible. And one of the series that they did was bookbinding. They made a series of... Uh, these magical tomes and I watched every single one of them because my autistic ADHD ass was like, hello, special interest. Yes. Bookbinding. I watched hours of bookbinding videos and was like, I want to do that. I wonder if I have enough materials to do that. I've got paper. I've got some scrap leather. I have some wood. I can fuck. I can fucking do this. So I did. Over the course of two days, two entire work days, I crafted myself a book and it is chonky and it is beautiful. It's not perfect, Um, but it is completely handmade. And uh, I made it with the intention of making it into a grimoire because I prefer that word. Tell me the difference between grimoire and book of shadow because I honestly don't know. Yes, they are different. And I actually made what is closer to a book of shadows. Um, And I'm going to get into how they're different and why differentiating them is important and also why I'm not using either of them anymore. I'm not calling it a book of shadows anymore. So let's get into it. So... Grimoire is a word that means a book written in Latin. It's also, you'll notice, really close to the word grammar. It's the same shit. Just like how spell is, you know, we're spelling, we're talking. Mm -hmm. Grimoires are grammar books. Traditionally, grimoires were written by more of the, like, ancient religious leaders, I guess, you know, academics. Like monks. Exactly. That kind Um, of thing. Okay. Yes. So the oldest grimoire that we know of is the sworn book of Honorius, uh, which as far as we know, the the earliest date we can find it mentioned is the mid 1300s. So it is at least that old, probably a bit older. um, And it was one of the first books linked to necromancy. So that is all like right before the witch hunts start, which if you're not familiar, listener, dear listener, um, you can go back to our very first proper episode, We Be the Witches. Um, we talk a lot about the history of witchcraft there. So 
a grimoire is more of a collection of like ancient knowledge. These are things that are considered to be true, not observations and not practice, but written law, kind of like a Bible. Very hierophant sort of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Divine secrets, divine wisdom. Yes. Okay. Meanwhile, the Book of Shadows... I mean, the term was developed in the 1940s by Gerald Gardner, who was some British guy who invented Wicca. And, you know, Gerald Gardner was, I think he was probably a really fun dude because he was all about being a nudist and, and worshiping women. Like, sounds like a pretty cool guy. He was probably absolutely bananas but he (laughs) you know one night he was like these witches came to me they delivered unto me this whole religion he made wicca a thing um started a whole nudist movement and i mean for some old british guy that's pretty fucking cool but he came up with this term books of shadows and they were books that generally belonged to covens. So everybody was recording their witchcraft, their observances. It was more like a community journal. And they would also, you know, if they had coven meetings, they would keep notes from the meetings in there. So it was really like a day book. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. And that is generally how I've used my book, but because it's not a collection of ancient wisdom and I am not canonized, you know, and also I do not (laughs) uh, consider myself part of the church of Gerald Gardner. Neither of the words really work for me. So listeners, I propose that we add a third option to these because we really only have the two. And the third option is the very title of this episode. It is The Witch's Book. Yes. So Callie, in the past, grimoires, books of shadows, that's like the realm of old covens from the 60s and Mm -hmm. ancient monks. So why today would a modern witch want to have a witch's book? Well, I think for all the same reasons as the past, um, maybe not so much in the like book of shadows tradition simply because of COVID, like we're not getting together in a coven. Although I do really like the idea of having like a, maybe like a long distance book of shadows partner, you know, you could mail it back and forth to each other. That would be really cute. Yeah. Um, I don't have the attention span to commit to that, but like somebody could, and it would be really cute. Um, You know, they can be, they can be whatever you want. You could recreate like a historical document. Although I will say there was recently a discovery that some Yale document was really expertly forged in, I think it was like the 1940s or 60s. So, you know. Ooh, spicy academia. I know. So maybe don't make it too perfectly (laughs) recreated. Um, But, you know, traditionally grimoires were actually often created as these sort of souvenirs. Um, So there were a lot of these made as basically fictional items that were just like cool witches books. Um, the, 
the creation of grimoires and books of shadows has just been different for every single person who's ever made one. And there's just no rule about how you have to do yours. It is your book and a modern witch, uh, whether you're a pagan or a Wiccan or a Christian, you know, you can create a witch's book that suits your purposes. And that's really why I wanted to give it a new name. Um, you know, not to, I don't, I'm not canceling grimoire. I'm not canceling book of shadows (laughs) as if I have the power to do that. Um, but I want another option because I'm not a monk. As you said, I'm not creating ancient texts and I'm not Wiccan as cool as it is. It's just not how I practice right now. It could be in the future. So I want a book that works for my magic and a witch's book makes sense for me. So I could tell you about some of the things that are in mine and some of the things I can recommend folks put in theirs. Yeah, I think that would be nice. All right. So, I mean, mine has so many things in it. It has, uh, you know, I I really got interested in the concept of hair magic. (laughs) So Hair magic. (laughs) Yeah. I looked up like the folklore of hair. You know, there are all of these different beliefs across cultures. Like there's one, I wish I remembered which one this was from, but that you should never burn your hair because it will give you a headache. And, you know, there are some people who take, their hair out of their hairbrush and throw it outside for birds to make nests out of. So, you know, very conflicting things. But there are also all of these herbs that you can ingest or apply to really create, you know, lustrous hair. And I just got really into that. So there are a few pages in mine about that kind of special interest. And that happens throughout my book. I've got one page on lemon balm because I was trying to grow lemon balm. Um, spoiler, I failed. It died. But oh, <laughs> I'm not rest a green. in peace lemon balm. I'm, I'm not a green witch, you know? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, and you were able to figure that out because you were working in your witch's book. Yeah. Trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a record of those things. So I'm going to read a few things off of this list that I made. And this is part of our Patreon bonus this week. Um, So this is a list of 35 different prompts that you can put into your witch's book. So I'm just going to share five. Um, Let's see. We've got... Oh, I like this one a lot. Um, Lyrics to magical songs, either ones you've made or ones you associate with magic. Ooh, I like that. Incantations and charms. Yeah, I mean, music is spells. Yes, yes. And also, I know that when when songs come to me, like when you and I were sitting on the river and the eagles happened, you know, part of my meditation, I was given this song and I never want to forget the the words that I was given in that meditation. So that's something that I wrote down in my witch's book. Um, pressed flowers, leaves, and herbs with notes on the properties of each one, just like I did with lemon balm. You know, I pressed a sprig of it into the book. I also drew it, um, I wrote down the different things that it can help with in the body, some notes on caretaking. Obviously, um, that doesn't mean I'm an expert on it, but I still wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Third, we've got folklore from your ancestral home. Um, so looking up 
you know, interesting facts about the witches of your ancestors' countries. Like when I was doing research about Polish witchcraft, which is, it's really hard to find anything about Polish witchcraft because a lot of it was lost. But I got really into learning about Baba Yaga because she's, you know, this folkloric figure in Polish, Russian, all these Slavic histories. Um, and so she's got a few pages dedicated to her in my witch's book. And I really love those pages. Those are some of the ones that kill me not to share. Yeah. Uh, what else? I love using my witch's book as a dream journal. Um, I have like a dream journal separately because I do love having dedicated books, but I have this, you know, long term goal of having lucid dreams. We talk about that in the episode with Mint Fairy and I occasionally, if I'm like putting in the work, I'll start recording some journal entries about that so that I can kind of keep track of my journey in the long run, not just that daily dream work, but you could do your daily dream. <laughs> but you could do your daily dream journaling in your witch's book because that is magic. Yeah, it's like a magic journal. Exactly. Yeah. Finally, I feel like this one is uh, such an obvious one, but the phases of the moon. I forget all the time what a waxing moon looks like. I it's very hard for me to memorize those things and I don't know why but you know what it is. So I have a whole page and I have it um with a bookmark in it so I can just open my witch's book and there's everything I need to know about every cycle of the moon. Um that's really helpful for me. Also drawing it out maybe will help with retaining that information. Maybe it won't if you're me, but that's okay. <laughs> I've got it in a book so I can go to refer to it. It's, you know, a book that you can use as a journal. You can use it as a reference guide. So you can just take notes about everything that is important to you in your practice or that you just want to make a cute page about. It can be whatever you want it to be. And I think that these books are, a, all books really, are a beautiful way that we can evolve over time. And they give us these, you know, touchstones to look back on both in our lifetimes and also if we are leaving books to be read by people in the future, like the sworn book of Honorius, then people get to learn about the path that has brought them there because we are ancestors in the making right now, you know? Yeah, I... I really feel that when I look at my pile of journals that I've been working on since 2015 when I went back into school. I started journaling in class because I couldn't really focus or regulate in class. And so I just drew the whole time. And I learned that taking notes for me is a combination of journaling, doodling, writing little thoughts that come up. It's so chaotic, but I love it. And it really works for me and it helps me integrate knowledge. Like I'm mostly an auditory learner. Like I can listen to a lecture and I can use everything I just heard, which I feel really privileged <laughs> to, to be one of those people. Um, and it helps me integrate when I'm moving my hands and doing a sensory motor activity, right? So I have these books. I have, I think, 10 um, under my desk. And I'm really aware that someday my daughter or my grandchild or someone that is related to me is going to pick up this book that's like 
can't do this anymore. I'm so scared. Uh, Bowen Family Systems Theory in 1956, <laughs> and then a, and then a picture of a tree, and then a, a, a crying tree, <laughs> and, you know. And I and I wonder how. Uh, my ancestors to come will perceive these books and I feel really motivated to keep them and pass them down. When I look through them, I'm like, wow, there's some really cool stuff in here that I forgot I even recorded. Yeah, it's always so wild to look back and see what you have done because you forget, like, what is it? I think the average person forgets something like 90% of their life. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm spiraling. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a scary thought. That, listen, that statistic was pulled out of my brain hole, so it <laughs> probably is not correct. But, you know, we do forget a lot of things. And, I mean, in magical practice, we've talked about it on here that we go in and out of being really in it. You know, sometimes you're just fucking feeling the vibes. You're doing your ancestral offerings every day. You are aware of the moon. You're bleeding with the moon. Ugh. And sometimes you're like, I haven't touched my tarot deck in three months. And I feel like even if I do talk to my ancestors, they're just going to be pissed. You know, it's probably not mm-hmm. true. They're probably yeah. just like vibing on the, astral plane but absolutely they, they transcend these earthly delights you know <laughs> yeah yeah but having a record of what we've done can make it easier for us to see what works you know what roots maybe a problem that comes up has one of my dear friends in Canada uh, he's a prolific journaler and his journals helped him realize that he was in an abusive relationship, you know, because he was writing down everything that happened. And so when he was in the process of being gaslit, he was like, wait, no, I'm not making this up. I wrote everything down. I wrote all of this down. So, I mean, we're kind of, we're talking about these witches books and we're talking about journals because they're the same thing. When we write about our lives and our spiritual practice is absolutely part of our lives. We're keeping a record and that can be used for so many things, whether it's keeping track of what works in a spell or the progression of a relationship. We have these records that can help us learn about ourselves because we don't know what we're missing right now. You know, I do not let anyone see inside my witch's book, which is Oh, as an artist, oh my God, I want to show people all the time. I want to show you, I want to show C, but I decided that it was incredibly important for me to have one thing in my life that is not to share with anyone at all. I like that. That's nice. Yeah, that's important. It is. I hate it. (laughs) I know. I know, because I bet it's so cute. I want... (laughs) Like when I do a particularly beautiful spread, I want to show everybody. But also in there, you know, I have a little, like I made up a little kind of sigil alphabet so that I can write on my spell bottles what's in them and only I know when I look at it. Um, And yes, that does sound crazy that I spent time sitting and making an alphabet for myself. But you know what? It was fun. And it sounds like something a witch would do. Exactly. I felt fun <laughs> and cute about it. So I did it because that's the space to be fun and cute about my witchcraft if I want to be, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's nice to have devoted spaces for these parts of ourselves, especially because they're not invited to be most places. 
So why is it, Amber, that writing in a journal um, is regulating? We know that it works. Like there's a reason that I recommend it to every client. There's a reason that my therapist recommends it to me. Like why does journaling work? Yeah, good question. (laughs) Journaling is very impactful for mental health. There's tons of research on it. It's easy to find. Overall, journaling boosts your mood and enhances your sense of well-being. It reduces symptoms of depression, especially after a difficult event. If you've just been through something stressful, journaling what happened your experience of what happened is um, very helpful for reducing any kind of post-traumatic symptoms. And speaking of post-traumatic symptoms, journaling is a safe way to do something called exposure. So exposing yourself or um, re-establishing a connection with something awful that happened to you is the way forward with PTSD and CPTSD. And it's important to say here that when we're talking about exposure, I'm talking about safe and regulated and contained exposure, not just re-traumatizing yourself by um, exposing yourself to the events or memories or experiences without any sort of support. Um, that support is really important. Your consent is really important. You know, there are experiences you can have that will re-traumatize you because they're not a safe exposure, right? Um, you had one partner that was awful to you and maybe abusive, and then the next one is awful and abusive. And that is not only traumatizing, but re-traumatizing. It's a pattern. So that's just an example. We want um, safe containers, and a journal can be a safe container. Journaling is also super helpful for anxiety, which I think I mentioned, but it's helpful because it calms and clears your mind. It it helps you feel like you're dumping something out or moving something through your body, where anxiety is really such a body-based somatic sensation. It's a feeling. It's, I mean, it comes with thoughts. It can have a thought pattern that comes with it, but it's such an embodied experience, you know, being anxious. So another embodied experience like journaling really touches anxiety. It it speaks the same language of anxiety. It's embodied. Um, Journaling helps your self-awareness and it can teach you about your triggers. You can start to understand yourself more when you journal and it can help you track your progress if you're undergoing therapy or not. Um, You know, and as far as Books of Shadows, Grimoires, The Witch's Book is concerned, that's a bit different than what we're talking about here with journaling. That is a more um, like quantitative, you're collecting some data and some information in there. You know, maybe your witch's book has the different um, elements and their correspondences, for instance, right? That is a wonderful way for you to learn and for you to hone your practice as a witch. I think that it has the benefits of journaling, but maybe a little bit different because we're not doing free association necessarily in a witch's book. Although, I mean, fuck it, do it, you know, do whatever you need to do in your witch's book. But if you're making a book of spells or a book that is containing your accumulated wisdom, it might be structured differently than a free association journal, is all I'm saying. So, I think that that value is in like the discipline to grow your practice and to accumulate um, 
all of the collected wisdom of the witches that you're learning from and the currents that are coming through you. It's a wonderful way to collect what you know and to engage with your witchcraft and to feel like, yeah, you're a goddamn witch and you have a whole ass book about it, you know? I really love having the space to feel, I don't know, I guess, you know what, I'm going to say it this way in this, it's going to be language that's coded as negative, but that's not how I mean it. A self-important way. We, especially those of us who have been socialized female, we have such deep internalized oppression around centering ourselves in our lives. And I think we need some self-importance. We do have to be important to ourselves. We are not better than other people. We're not more deserving of good things and joy than other people, but we are equally deserving and also we are the ones at the center of our lives. When we expect to be the center of other people's lives, that is when it's a problem. But for you to be the protagonist of your story, hell yeah. So I love having these spaces where that is literally the only job that object serves just like I love that with my therapist. I love that I pay that person so that every two weeks I get one hour of being the thing in the room, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't take up that much space in my everyday life because first of all, it just doesn't work that way. Relationships don't work that way. And secondly, because it's really hard to take up that space. It's so vulnerable when you've been told your whole life that you're not allowed to take up space. It's really fucking hard to get there. You have to build trust with a therapist. You have to build trust with your journaling practice and your spiritual practice. These are things that are from us and for us alone unless we're celebrating them together, in which case... We're part of a collective, but it's still a thing that's for us. If, if we're talking about on an esoteric level, having a book with all of the things you've learned, that's great for when you're feeling imposter syndrome. It's great to look back and be like, wow, I really recorded a lot. I've done a lot of magic. I'm not the inexperienced person that I think I am. It's great for reminding you of you know, practices you've done that you've fallen out of because that's what happens with life. You're not going to remember every amazing decision you ever make, but you can remind yourself. There are these great reminders of tools and skills and pieces of ourselves that are really easy to forget when life gets hard. Absolutely. Or when we're stressed out, I used to write down every single step of every group intervention I was going to do in the very beginning or every presentation. And I still do this if I'm going to, well, actually, that's not true. Um, That's kind of true. I always have my PowerPoint when I'm teaching or when I'm lecturing on trauma, because that's something I, I do from time to time, or when I've given presentations in the past. And I don't end up reading any of the notes. And yep. I just, you know, like, but it doesn't matter. Nobody wants to listen to me read off of a PowerPoint. That's not <laughs> what is exciting about a presentation or interesting at all. And the ritual of writing it all down is the preparation that I need to be improvisational when I'm in front of a group of people. It's that repetition. I learned that in the circus. I learned (laughs) so many things in the circus. One time, one of my acrobat friends said, you know, Amber, it's not strength and it's not flexibility, it's repetition. It's your ability to repeat something over and over and over again until you know it. 
until it's really known to you. The more that I write down the therapeutic interventions, the less I need to write them down, right? Because they're so embodied. It's a practice of embodiment to write something down. And also the way that our brains work is fascinating. So our, I believe it's our left brain that's responsible for interacting in our first language. So the language we grow up speaking is organically in there. However, like learning how to write, it's an extension of our first language, but it's still different than speaking. So it's a different process. And when I'm thinking about languages, I always think about my high school math teacher who she growing up could never learn math. It just didn't make sense to her. But when she learned high level French, she could learn math in French because it works with the right side of your brain because that's the creative side that makes all these different connections that your left brain can't. So I think that when we're writing things down, you know, we're using a bit more of our creative brain. And just like when you say to somebody, hey, I need to remember to take my medication today, which I'm saying out loud and actually realizing I need to take my medication today. <laughs> um Part of it is not that the other person is going to remind you. It's that just saying it out loud instead of only thinking it makes it a little bit more solid. And writing something down makes it more solid than just thinking it and saying it. So it's just one more way to store that information in our body. So you mentioned that you don't have a witch's book. I don't. I have not created one. Is there a particular reason or is it just like it hasn't happened? I'm waiting. I don't feel ready. It's not time yet. Um, I am. I feel like I am baking something. And I've checked in with myself around that. Like, oh, do I need to be perfect? No, it's not that. I tend to marinate on things for a while. And I have a process that I trust really well. And like when I would go to write papers... I would marinate for quite a while on that topic. Like there was this process just internally of organizing things. And then something will shift within me. I'll be like, oh yeah, it's time. And I it's difficult to describe because I, I think about it. I think about my practice. I know broadly the container that I'm gonna use to write. And and also on a practical level, there isn't a ton, of, a ton of space in my life right now. There's just not. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking active steps to change that, very active steps to change that, because I find that I need that dedicated time and space. And when I know that there are other things that need doing, I will do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're a self-employed, overemployed, single mom. Like, right. So it, ha- it just hasn't been at the top of my to-do list. Right. I'm, I'm preparing my child to become an adult next year. So yeah, I've been doing all sorts of stuff. And it is, it's sitting in me. It's sitting in me and I can feel it. And there isn't any sense of like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, it's, I'm just like, oh, hi, there you are. Yeah, you're yeah. a whole container of wisdom. I can't wait to meet you. Yeah, I mean... That self-awareness is great. And like, also, you don't have to have a fucking witch's book. If that's not in your schedule, if it's not in your life right now, like like you said, it's not going anywhere. It's, mm-hmm. it's there when you want to do it. Um, I would like to share what 
obstacle came up for me in making mine and how I dealt with that, um, which is, this is not me saying this is your uh, obstacle. It doesn't sound like you really have an obstacle other than timing and you're aware of that. So for me, I am a notebook uh, hoarder, as so many of us are. I, I've met many in the wilds of bookstores. You know, I love I love a new notebook, and I love a beautiful notebook. And when I get a particularly beautiful notebook, I struggle so hard with, in my mind, ruining it with Oh, yeah, me. I know that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so pretty. I got to get the right pen. It's got to look so good in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like that level of perfectionism just really comes out. So, I mean, obviously I wanted a beautiful book for my witch's book, but the idea of buying a really nice one, even if it's just pretty and not even expensive, but especially if it's expensive, then I was like, I'm afraid that I'm not going to use it. So making it was important to me because I could make it really fucking cool, but there was no way in hell it was going to be perfect. And it's not, it has so many mess ups, but that's fine. It looks so cool. When you said it was chonky and beautiful and, per- and imperfect, I thought, oh, like Callie. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's asymmetrical, just like my titties, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's a little overstuffed. <laughs> the book binding community calls it a gator mouth, uh, where you can't make the book flat. Um, yeah. I I had to make my book. And then when I did, I ran into a new issue, which was not that I felt like I was going to ruin it by working in it. It was that I didn't know how to start. Like, what should I do first? Should I like write in it first? Should I add, should I like add a poem or should there be an introduction page? Should I, you know, there were all of these things. And what I realized was I needed to consecrate my book just as we do with tools, you know, the magical concept of consecrating something. I mean, it's just devoting an object to its purpose, like kind of, kind of christening it. It's like baptizing it. So for me, I was living in a really urban part of Seattle at the time that I made the book. So one of the things I read was like, you can put it in a tree overnight. And I was like, yeah, it'll get stolen. Okay, no, not going to do that. But what I did was um, leave it on my windowsill under the full moon. So it could be, you know, baptized by the beautiful lady of the sky. Our mother. <laughs> yeah. Everything's our mother. Uh, yes. Everything needs to be. <laughs> we are Horton and uh, just, are you my mother? <laughs> so I consecrated it under the full moon. And then I decided to open up mine with the witch's read and the witch's creed because I was like, I don't know which one I want to go with. I'll fucking put both of them in. And... I also made like a little protection spell for the book itself. So the very first page is a spell that I made and I like sealed protection herbs into it with wax. And then I just got started with where I was at because getting started is the hardest part. But one of the things that really helped me 
in creating my witch's book was, you know, I am, um, I don't know if you're aware that I got my bachelor's degree from the University of YouTube, which is a joke um, because that's not real, (laughs) but I do spend a lot of time. Do they have financial aid available? (laughs) Um, They don't, but if you have free Wi-Fi access, it's considered a scholarship. And your classmates are just like, let me see your tits. (laughs) The YouTube comments, your classmates. Uh, Yeah, it's just bros fighting. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I did all this research on YouTube and I found this witch who I really love her work. Her name is Molly Roberts. And she has a video called, oh, what is it? It's like grimoires, only sacred if you make it so. It's something like that. And I've watched it several times because what she really emphasizes is that your your book of shadows, your grimoire, your witch's book, it's yours and making it yours, writing in it in the way you want to is it's all up to you. She is a very visual artist. So her book is filled with beautiful, bright art. And that gave me a lot of permission to do my book in every style I want to. Sometimes it's really nice, super fine handwriting. Sometimes it's collage. Sometimes I just slap a sticker on a page. And occasionally when I'm flipping through, I'm like, I don't like that page. But you know what I could do is fucking paste over it because it's my book. Yeah. I have uh, definitely fallen out of the habit of writing in mine. I was like really, really into it for a while. And when I went back to do some, I was like, oh, I missed all these sabbats. Well, oh, well, you know, there's, yeah. there are more sabbats to come. Like we get to do them however the fuck we want. Have a yearly one. Have an art bo- witch's book. Have a very serious gothic tome who cares you do so make it what you want it to be um but I know that like getting started it really is the hardest part so that is why on patreon um our bonus content for this episode is going to be talking about dealing with the feeling of avoidance and it's going to be you know around this topic but avoidance isn't just about journaling and creating books it's about being a human, and I'm excited to talk about uh, avoidance and all my bullshit over on Patreon. <laughs> so if you join us on Patreon at the witch tier or above, you will get access to not only today's guide to overcoming avoidance and also a list of 35 things to put in your witch's book, but you will get access to 45 plus pieces of other bonus content. It's literally hours and hours of stuff that is not on our public podcast page. And you can only get it on Patreon. And the tea is stronger over there, let me tell you. So it's, there's a, it's a, spicy. Lot, a lot of personal disclosure on Patreon. It's true. If yeah. you want to learn about our <laughs> bullshit, as I said, uh, yes. find us on Patreon. And we look forward to seeing you there. Witch poops. Um, That's what they are. So we also, (laughs) you know, I want to say that we have a new review and we have a bunch more followers on Instagram. Ever since uh, AYG came on, a lot more people figured us out and have found us and welcome. Hello. It's nice to meet you. I think there's a few hundred more people and that's, that's really fun. 
So our new review is called, Here, Here, the Word is Witches, from Jim Bob the 1 billion, I don't know, one zero 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 a lot of zeros, five stars. Um, Amber and Kelly have helped me get back in touch, all caps, with magics, with a K. And they've done so by way of discursive, thoughtful, and personable experience. I so appreciate these two powerful witches for their voices during these wildly dark times. Thank you, Amber and Callie. P.S. Best time to listen to this podcast is during rainy nights or cooking a delicious meal with a fellow witch. Heart emoji. Aw, moon emoji. Aw, fortune teller emoji. Very cute. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jim Bob. One billion. I love that. Thank you, Jim Bob. And oh, I wanted to shout out a very special patron. Um, Her name is Callie. And no, it's not me. (laughs) It's somebody who's also named Callie. And uh, she, her sister's name is Amber. What? Yeah. I know. She, I think, just found us, I think maybe through Mint or just through the podcast world, but um, she's a client of mine now as well. And I get to talk to her and she's so rad. And when I did our little like, hey, please tell me if I haven't shouted you out, she sent me a message and was like, hello, it's me. Duh, of course, I forgot to say my own fucking name, but I love her (laughs) and she's uh, beautiful. I'm honored to be among such beautiful Callies. And also we have one new subscriber It's uh, a witch named Elaine. So thank you for joining us, Elaine. Yes, thank you. Welcome. Fantastic. If uh, you are someone who hasn't yet joined Patreon and you're like, fuck giving y'all a couple dollars a month, I love you, but I'm broke. The great news is you can support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps us more than actually anything. So if you haven't Mm -hmm. yet, pretty please leave the review. We'll read it on air because we love to be hams. And uh, otherwise, I think you should just keep your brooms up, witches. Yeah. I mean, so with those brooms, you're going to want to keep them up, all right? <laughs> like, I know it's tempting. You want to put them down, but yeah, you want, you want to put them up, all right? <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week when we talk about, I don't know, something magical. I don't fucking know, but we'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.